Welcome to podcast number 16 for Thanks for Your Service. I'm David Hall. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net and you can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. For our 16th podcast, we're going to learn a little bit about the Naval Association of Australia. So joining us on the line from Melbourne is Terry Makings, the National President of the Naval Association of Australia, who's just suffered through a very, uh, very hot Friday, as I understand it. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, David. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, Terry, you're the National President of the Naval Association of Australia. Can you tell us about the association? Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, As you said, we're a national organisation. We've got representation in each of the states of Australia and uh, the Australian National, Australian Capital Territory. And our purpose is to try and unite and maintain mateship amongst Navy veterans and their families. And we we do this by uh, working under what we call four pillars. That's care, commemoration, cadets and camaraderie. And like CARE, for instance, is where we try and support and assist Navy veterans and their families wherever we can. Commemoration, that's about us trying to keep the legacy of past and current service and sacrifice uh, before the general public so they appreciate the history of what our predecessors have done over the last 100 years. And cadets, that's where we try and assist young Australians to become better citizens by supporting the Australian Navy Cadet Organisation. And camaraderie, uh, meet and socialising with like-minded men and women and their families. And again, this is about mateship, something that uh, shouldn't be underestimated from our perspective because it's probably the most important factor of being a sailor where, you know, at sea, whether you're in the Navy or out of it, that camaraderie is a very strong part of our lifestyle and... uh, our motto says it all, I think, which is once Navy, always Navy. And in terms of the membership, who makes up the membership? You just mentioned the word veterans, but I, I assume that it's also uh, open or membership is open to, to serving sailors as well. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, in recent times, the uh, government has changed the definition of a veteran, of course, which is any person that has served for one continuous day in the service they now call a veteran. That might cause a bit of grief with some of the old school, but uh, it's about trying to say we're all of one service and 90% of our membership are obviously ex-Royal Australian Navy people, uh, but we also we're open to allied Navy members, ex-members of the service of allied navies, and we also invite partners into the organisation, so they're virtually treated as full members. And if you're a like-minded person, then there's an opportunity to join in a like in a secondary capacity, but no less meaningful to being a member of the organisation. The association was formed in, in 1920. What led to the formation of the association? Well, you as a Melbourneian, David, would know about 
Young and Jackson's. Yes. Now, uh, quite a famous hotel uh, in Flinders Street, just opposite uh, Flinders Street Railway Station and St Paul's Cathedral. And uh, the myth, I should say the true story, is that a World War One sailor was spotted a policeman on duty at that intersection and uh, turned out he was an old shipmate. So over the coming weeks or months, uh, they gathered a few of their old shipmates together and they thought, well, look, we should formalise this arrangement. So in 1920, they basically, as you mentioned, they basically got together and called it the Ex-Navalman's Association. And uh, next year's our centennial year, because we've been going all those years ever since uh, 1920. And again, it just reflects that importance of mateship and, uh, you know, sailors having lived in a tin can month on end at sea, it builds tolerance, support between individuals, so that at the end of the day, there's a strong family connection amongst sailors. And, uh, you know, that's what the association's about, trying to prolong that, whether they're in the Navy or out. Uh, so, yes, we, we're fortunate that uh, we had some wise members right at the start that kicked it all off for us. And, and as you said, I mean, the association is 100 years old next year. How has it changed since its formation? Oh, that's a good question. Now, initially, uh, we were a number of groups in different states. But after World War II, it became apparent that we needed to have a voice for ex-Navy people in the wider community. So... They, a federation was formed which brought together all of the state and territory interests to form what is now called the Naval Association of Australia. And the importance of this was uh, uniformity, particularly around governance practices, uh, but mainly around having a voice for Navy in the wider community, not least about welfare, which is one of our four pillars, as we mentioned, under the heading of care. And uh, this is probably one of the most important contributions we make because sometimes we forget where a lot of these entitlements that ex-servicemen have came from ex-service organisations like the Naval Association, Legacy, the Air Force Association, the RSL, banding together and basically pushing the government into uh, recognising the uniqueness of military service and making sure that the people that have been through that uh, gateway are properly recognised and supported after their defence time. The association also manages the virtual memorial for HMAS Sydney. For our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the history of the HMAS Sydney, which was sunk in November 41? Yes, well... Uh, as you said, the Sydney 2 legacy stems from that sea battle that occurred between the Sydney and the German raider, Cormoran, in 1941. And they encountered each other uh, when they were about 200 nautical miles off Western Australian coast. And the battle lasted about 30 minutes. And the ships finished up about six nautical miles apart. Both were heavily damaged and on fire. Sydney quickly disappeared from Cormoran side over the horizon. And that's, uh, you know, the evidence from some of the German survivors who say they could see the fires from the Sydney visible basically uh, up till midnight after the battle started.
started, which was you know around six six thirty, and uh, the Sydney sunk during the night, and uh, the hull wasn't found. The Sydney hull wasn't located until two thousand and eight, when experts determined that Sydney was under limited control after the battle, meaning it was moving away from the Cormoran. It seems the ship remained afloat for probably four hours after the battle before the bow broke off and uh, dropped straight to the seabed, probably because of the weight of the anchors and cable up in the forecastle. The rest of the ship sank shortly afterwards and I understand the distance was about uh, half a kilometre further on from the hull where it seemingly glided to the seabed still in the upright position. And after the Battle of Cormoran was stationary, apparently damaged uh, the engines of the ship and there was fierce fires on board that ship as well. Mm. All fires that were out of control and they had no means of fighting it. So the captain ordered the Cormoran to be abandoned as well. And the ship, for some reason, felt they needed to scuffle the ship, which no doubt it was on pretty bad terms as it was. But the ship was sinking slowly until there was a massive explosion apparently some 30 minutes later, it disappeared. And the Sydney lost 645 men on that day with no survivors. The Cormoran lost 81 and one civilian. And there were 317 who were lucky enough to survive, although they were captured and remained prisoners of war till the end of the war. And then 60 years after that tragic encounter, on the exact day, 19th of November 2001, the HMA Sydney 2 Memorial was dedicated in Geraldton, Western Australia. It's a pretty impressive memorial and created to honour the 645 Sydney sailors who have a rusting hulk as their tombstone on the ocean bed. Now, this magnificent memorial is due to the drive and passion of Mr Richard Lowra. He was the president of the Rotary Club of Geraldton at the time and we owe a lot to his dedication for completing this project. And it's now one of 10 war memorials of national uh, importance. So it's a pretty important thing. And at the same time, the Federation was formed probably through the emotion of that dedication with finding the Sydney Foundation and they funded the, uh, the search where they, at the end of the day, found the Cormoran and Sydney and that the, the chap who kicked all that off was a Mr Ted Graham and uh, he got together a, a, a team of warriors, you know, Commodore Bob Trotter, who's an ex-national president of the Naval Association, Don Pridmore, Keith Rowe and Glenis MacDonald. And collectively they managed to get all the money together to get the search underway. And lo and behold, they found the Cormoran on the uh, 12th of March, 2008. Mm. And then they found the Sydney some five days later on the 17th. And uh, that's where the, the website that is dedicated to finding the Sydney uh, is all about allowing those that can't get to Geraldton, because that's a long way away. It allows them to see what the history is for the Sydney and, uh, you know, this tragic time that ship had but it's a very proud name as you can imagine in the Australian Navy in terms yes. of 
In, in terms of your service with the Royal Australian Navy, Terry, tell us about uh, what you did. Ah, well, I joined in November 65 as a general entry recruit at Cerberus and uh, did my three-month training down there, probably the hardest part of my time in the Navy, <laughs> getting fit and all that sort of thing. And then I went to HMAS Vendetta, my first time at sea in Vendetta as an ordinary seaman was when the WD Atlas was a dredge shifting from Wyala to Newcastle sunk. And uh, we went from gunnery practice to trying to find survivors. And it was very, very rough. And uh, ships, boats were damaged and we had six inches of water in the to Charlie the forward mess deck, which was quite a large mess deck. And mushroom vents on the forecastle had been broken and oh, it was just a shocker. I thought this is the first day at sea, I might have to, not sure I'll be able to cope with this. But uh, I stuck it out for 24 years and uh, paid off as a commander engineer at the end of the day. But I, I found, you know, my time in the Navy was fantastic. I met a lot of terrific people. I think the opportunities that... Uh, are presented in that type of organisation, particularly the Navy, which is what I know, are just quite extensive. And if you, uh, if, if you just take a few minutes to have a look at what the opportunities are and put a little bit of effort in, then the system is very supportive and does its utmost to help you out. Uh, and even after the service, and I think that's what I find I've got a responsibility now as I look back to uh, try and keep alive in people's minds the service and sacrifice that so many people have made over the time. I, I was there through the career, the Vietnam, I should say, campaign. So we did quite a few trips up to Vietnam and things like that. Um, and at the end of the day, I just, I, I think there's a common thread between what sailors have done over the last hundred years and what they're doing today when you look at uh, the support in Afghanistan and uh, sovereign borders and all that, that the sense of duty and just getting on with the job every day where you're not necessarily in a war footing but everything you do is about getting the job done properly, looking after your mates and helping them to do their job properly and uh, just be proud when you see the Australian flag up as you cruise into a foreign port. It's... Uh, pretty mind-boggling, the whole thing. So I, I just had a good time. Is it the vendetta or the vampire which was on display or still is at the Australian Maritime Museum in Sydney? That's the va vampire. They were, they were terrific gunships. They were probably the last of the gunships and, uh, you know, the, those three daring's that we had, vendetta, vampire and voyager, which sadly was sunk on the 10th of February 1964, but we then got Duchess as a replacement, another daring. That was hard work <laughs> for Duchess. But uh, I spent a couple of years in Duchess as well. But they were all marvellous ships. In terms of the association, where can people go to find out more about it and, 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 and its membership opportunities as well? Uh, well, we've got a website, and that's Naval Association of Australia. probably comes down to navalasoc.org but if anyone just keys in Naval Association of Australia the website 
will come up. We've got a Facebook page, again, Naval Association of Australia, but the catchphrase is always Navy, no getting away from it. Um, and I think if they go there, there's a expression of interest area where any uh, any person that sort of fits the criteria, obviously it, it's essentially about ex-Navy people, and I would ask any of them, no matter what age they are, to just give it a thought because being a member gives the Navy a voice in the wider community and that's really the key thing to membership. But uh, I would certainly commend the website if anyone wants to have a look and if they've got any ideas about it, go for it. And also the finding the Sydney website, you can access that through our website as well. Right. Well, Terry, look, a fascinating insight into the association and thank you so much for your time today. The website of the Naval Association of Australia is www.navalassoc.org.au and we'll put the links to the website and its Facebook page on our Facebook page and also you can find the links to the HMA Sydney the Second Memorial by the Naval Association website as well. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. You can email us or leave a comment on our Facebook page. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Those reviews are very handy to promote our podcast. Finally, if you're interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. And you can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, slash thanks for your service. The version of the last post is courtesy of Rachel Bostock and you can find links to her music on our website and Facebook page. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.